0: Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents the Defalco Files with FSW owner Joe Defalco and your host Matt Michaels.
1: Hey, everybody! Matt Michaels here on the Defalco Files with the owner and creator. Of course, it went off. FSW. The future starts wrestling. Here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe,
0: how's it going? Oh, it's going. You know, we're talking for 10 minutes beforehand, and then you started talking, and the uh, camera went out. Of course. For those who do not know, we're having camera issues with my computer that shows there's no camera sometimes.
1: Yeah, which, so. uh, you know, it's an ongoing issue that makes no sense, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get through it. Um, this uh, this past uh, Friday night, you had a uh, future shock, um, or not a future shock, sorry, high octane uh, that was uh, pretty successful. Uh, what was your opinions about uh, what went down on high octane?
0: Well, you know, we were set- setting up for what will be our next uh, pay-per-view type show, casino show, September 10th, uh, Survival of the Fittest. So we're trying to put some pieces together. You know, we played off uh, things that happened at the anniversary show. Uh, You know, Brett the Thread and Big Fonz. They were the final two in the uh, Battle Royal. So we felt, hey, perfect matchup for a match on the show. Uh, So we went there. Uh, The Nevada State Championship was a four-way. Two guys didn't get pinned, Jacob Austin Young and Remy Marcel. Hey, why don't we do a singles match with them? And decide who the next contender will be. Uh, we had a three-way with Ice Williams. Hero Lou didn't get pinned. Uh, we didn't have the match on the 14th. We'll have it on the 30th. So we're trying to break up some things as we move forward. As people who know who we are know that Survival of the Fittest is the type of show that has some Survivor series types matches. But we, we try to incorporate the title survival of the fittest sometimes it's an iron man match an i quit match a submissions match you know a gauntlet match uh, a multi-man match and we're trying to put the pieces together you know to set things up and you know this past show the 14th sets up a little bit for the 30th uh, the issues of uh, Remy Marcel and Jacob Austin Young ended in no contest. Remy got attacked by uh, our new 1%, the Billionaire Boys Club, and clashed Jordan Cruz and Devin Reno. And now we're setting up for the 30th. Remy Marcel is bringing in a mystery partner to take on Devin Reno and Jordan Cruz. Uh, Gregory Sharp took his shots at Jacob Austin Young. So despite not winning, Jake's going to get a title shot on the 30th of July. Wow. So that show is going to be huge. You know, we got uh, Mazda mm-hmm. Riveter. They're going to be in a tag match on the 30th. And uh, Nick Xander cut a promo about uh, Jay Baidal and what happened yeah. in the cash in the case ladder match. And Jay Baidal has accepted the challenge and they're going to have a match on the 30th. So. There's a lot that happened on the 14th that we have ready to go into the 30th that will build because we have a couple other shows in August and then the casino show September 10th. So I'm pretty excited. You know, I know what we're looking at doing. We're going to do definitely a women's four-on-four match at Survival of the Fittest. We'll have a couple of other Survival of the Fittest-type matches and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, some other stuff. You know the newly formed faction Kenny King. He's going to be wrestling Bodie on the thirtieth. So we're going to see. You know maybe that Impact Digital Championship is going to be on the line.
1: Um, you know when you look at, uh, you said the Billionaire Boys Club and uh, them attacking Remy. What, what where are they going? What what are they looking to do? Do you do you know right now? What they have their eyes on?
0: Well, you know, we, we had class on, and you know, it sure seems like Devin Reno and Cruz are going to be standalone tag team, and class seems to have bigger fish to fry, but he still seems to have that animosity. From the injury that he suffered, that kept him out of action for over a year. Right. Uh, so, to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure.
1: What did you uh, What did you think about their uh, their match and how their uh, chemistry together is uh, starting to form?
0: Yeah, you know, it was good. Uh, I, I think the the matchup was uh, well done. It gave a couple of our really young talent. Who actually hustles, work hard, earns a spot on Future Shock, sells a bunch of tickets, and we need somebody to wrestle them? Well, they're gonna they're gonna jump they're gonna jump the line a little bit, and along with Jimmy Jack, who's earned a spot just by his presence, uh, I did I I think RBJ and Fox did very well in the match, so. I, I think the the three participants, Class, Devin, and uh, and Jordan Cruz, they kind of need to work together a little more because generally, Class and Devin Reno have done a lot of stuff together, but this was really the first time they've worked hand in hand with Jordan Cruz, who's an ex, uh, you know, an awesome talent. So I think it's yeah. just getting, you know, getting coordinated, knowing their roles, and and. Looking to do what they do, you know. I know in the past when we put tag teams together, they really gelled far after they were put together.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, and, you know, it, it will take a little bit of time, uh, but it, it looks like they they looked pretty good and they look comfortable together. Uh, what do you think about Braxton making his uh, first title defense?
0: Well, Braxton kind of did it without a lot of help at all. You know, Ice Williams was was elsewhere. Uh, Fresco was injured. Kenny was at impact. Watson was the only guy who was around. And he got involved a little bit, but nothing much. And, and he beat a, an up-and-comer in, in Blair Brody. And, you know, he got the job done. And, you know, Braxton is a guy who... You know, we've butted heads a lot in the past, but, right. you know, he stepped up. Ice joined the faction and it kind of calmed things down a little bit. And now, you know, he's understanding the business a little and, and working with Kenny King, who will very easily put you in your place if, if you get a little bit out of line. So it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of Kenny King. Because I I don't look at Kenny King as, oh, okay, he's the third cog in the faction. I understand Ice Williams is the heavyweight champion, but, you know, Kenny King's got clout. There's 20 20 plus years. So I'm pretty sure that anytime there's an issue, it's going to all get diverted to what does Kenny think. So, which could be good and bad, you know, who knows if the heavyweight champion, you know, not to start any animosity or anything going on, but when you're the heavyweight champion, you're looked at as the face of the company, let alone your faction. And now Kenny comes in, you know, who's to say that he says something that ice doesn't like and he takes offense to it. So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how long that dynamic is because now you gotta keep five guys happy instead of the initial three, which then became the four, which was fine because Fresco and Watson were a tag team. And Ice Williams was the singles guy. And Braxton kind of managed both of them. He, he was the ringside guy. He talked a lot, but Ice talks a lot. And, you know, Braxton would be in the six-man tags, and he'd fill in if somebody wasn't there. So he didn't really have a regular spot. Well, now he's the No Limits champion. Now we got the heavyweight champion. Now we got the digital champion of Impact. But we also have the former tag team champions. You know, those are four separate matches on an eight-match show. So guys are going to get left out. I get it. You know, Kenny is a guy, like on the 14th, couldn't be there. There was an Impact taping. So Kenny's not going to be on a lot of shows, but he's going to be on the 30th. And Ice Williams is going to be on the 30th. But is Fresco, Watson, and Braxton? No, we got about five or six matches put together, and, and none of those three are on the card yet. So it's going to be interesting.
1: Uh, speaking of that card, we found out that uh, the winners of the uh, number one contenders uh, tag match was the Suavecitos. So the Suavecitos are getting a an opportunity to uh, – to wrestle uh who is who how, how is it working so they're they're going up against the tag champs now on the 30th is that correct
0: yes yes they yeah we you know a lot of people thought oh okay you know A. Awesome. will be here every once in a while and you know we talked and they were available and, and we got the deal done and they're going to defend on the 30th and they're also going to be here at survival of the fittest so you know And that doesn't mean they're not going to be here five other times. You know, Chris Bay lives here. He's the easy get. You know, running those Sunday shows in in most cases is good uh, with the impact schedule, Friday, Saturday. Like this past week, they did a Saturday, Sunday. So they were unavailable, and we we knew that. But I also have Bay's schedule, and we're flexible. So if we want to have it, you know, then. We can work around it. You know, it isn't like Impact Tapes every week. You know, they at best tape every two weeks and sometimes it's every three or four. So, you know, the opportunity to have the Bullet Club on our show, you know, we're definitely going to take advantage of it. You know, we definitely are going to take advantage of the fact that just back from Japan, the former 1%, Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson are on the show on the 14th. And, you know, was in that match. And a lot of people were kind of surprised, to be honest with you, that of all teams, the Suavecitos walked out with the victory. And it turned out to be a tornado tag three-way instead of a four-way because uh, Fresco had a a bad ankle and he was unable to go. Which, you know, in the past, if Braxton wasn't the no-limits champion, I'm pretty certain he would have stepped into that role. But he had his own match to to worry about and didn't want to get hurt in that match and not pull a hero Lou and wrestle a match earlier in the day and not get the opportunity to to tag, where Shogun had to go it by himself. So in that situation, they decided to pass on the opportunity.
1: Uh, What do you think about uh, the idea for the Suavecitos facing Bay and Ace is this something where they, you know, they've obviously come a long way. This is um, a big opportunity for them. Uh, wh- what has got to be wh- what has got to be the pressure like for them in terms of knowing that you know, in essentially two weeks, you have to go in there and probably put on one of your most important uh, performances of your career um, to, to show that you
0: are exactly
1: what you say you are and that you belong.
0: Well, see, the issues with the Suavecitos was never, can they work or not? Right. It was, can they coexist with Joe DeFalco? And, you know, Danny more so than Ricky. And we've had this conversation and and I'm being real about it, that his personality, his attitude sometimes is lacking. And, you know, you can go with, Oh, I get it. He's passionate. And and, and I give them a lot of freedom in that way. But at some points it's gotten out of hand and, you know, there was times he was suspended. And and again, it wasn't anything egregious. It was just, you know what? I'm tired of your shit, motherfucker. You know, you're, you're lucky you're getting what you're getting. And, you know, there's other teams. There's Sky High. There's the faction. There's, you know, whoever was around. our tag champs at the time. Uh, Shogun and Hero. Cody and Jake whatever it was or people that we brought in and you know again there is only eight matches on a show so now if you have a tag team championship match how many times are you going to do a singles tag with Sky High and Suavecitos so you're trying to shake things up so we bring in the regulators and now the Suavecitos don't get a spot and now the regulators are wrestling somebody well, now the Suavecitos attack the Regulators and they've had some good matches and, you know, they won a big match. They beat the Regulators at uh, the anniversary show yeah. in in the pre-show match, I believe, it was the pre-show match. Yeah. yeah. And before that, the Regulators beat them. So they're another tag team that we are trying to incorporate because I like the team a lot. I like Doug Nificent. I like EJ Sparks. And more importantly, they're good dudes who are receptive to what you say, because they're stuck in the, uh, the armpit of wrestling in Arizona, where there's only a couple of good shows that are going on. A lot of it is trash. They'll, They'll, they'll be the first ones to tell you, you know, and You know, they wrestle at one of the good places, but if you wrestle at that one place, Dom's not going to put you on at his shows. So you got one cruise at the PCW Arizona, the other cruise at AWF, and the other stuff is, you know, just random shows that get get put on. And some draw well, I guess, and some don't, whatever, but the the full plate is you want to get out of Arizona because not a lot happens there. You know, where did Hammerstone Graves in class get their notoriety from? Well, wrestling in fucking Las Vegas with FSW. Yeah. You know, the regulators, they're trying to make their mark in FSW. You know, they do their own thing out there and they do some single stuff or whatever. But the Suavecitos, they got the chip on their shoulder, you know, And, you know, this goes back to the early student days of Danny not coming up with the dues, not being around when they're set up. And it's like the one thing I hate more than anything is if you're behind, motherfucker, you should be the first one to help. And it's like you want you want to not do either of it, but then you want to bitch and complain. Oh, we're on the pre-show. Hey, how about you're not on any fucking show? Like. okay With what you have to do, it's your opportunity. And as time's progressed, you know, it's like, hey, maybe if you acted with us the way you do everywhere else, there probably wouldn't have been an issue because Dom really likes them in PCW and they're getting good opportunities at West Coast, Pro. So obviously their mouths are shut and yes, sir. No, sir. Okay. Thank you for the opportunity. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't be booked again. That's how it is. If you're a hassle and you're going to some other company, there's a whole bunch of other teams. You know, Royce and Jarrell put them over. Right. And say, hey, you know what? These guys are good. Really like them. You know, First Bay is fond of him as a team. He's excited for the match. So, all my guys can't be wrong, guys that I think highly of. You know, Tito and Shea said they had a real good match with them. So here's your opportunity, man. It's like you're getting to go up against one of the top tag teams in the world. Yeah. So make it or break it. You know, you guys, you guys are, you know, you're hovering above, you know, the A-list, as we like to call it. You know, even though we don't use them as often, but the Tito and Chase of the world, the Royce and Jarrells of the world, you know, the Bays and Austin. You know, those are three monster tag teams, the Bodega, if we use them, that's four tag teams. If you want to get talked about like them, you have to accomplish things that they've accomplished. You know, Danny Limelight and either of his partners have been the MLW tag champs. Right. They've been champs all over the West Coast. Tito and Che, they, you know, Royce and Jarrell, they're teaming with, with Tom Lawler in, in Japan. Those guys have accomplished shit tons of stuff. Yeah. Well, now we got Devin Reno in class as a tag, you know. So now those spots are starting to crunch up. You got the faction that got to get work. You got Sky High who got to get work. You got the regulators who got to get work. So, you know, this is the biggest opportunity of their careers, bar none. Yeah. No matter what they've done anywhere else, this is their opportunity. They are wrestling a team that has won a championship in one of the top three companies in the United States.
1: Right. So. Um. You know, you're talking about uh, potential and uh, the West Coast. Uh, You know, Brittany Brooks is looking good every time she's uh, getting opportunities here. Uh, Is that something that uh, is sticking out in your mind? And, uh, you know, Viva Van is always looking for that next opponent. Uh, Could we potentially see that down the line sooner than later?
0: You know, without a doubt, Brittany has come in and she's won her matches. She's beaten who she needed to beat. Uh, the fans are behind her. They like her. She's got a, a good, you know, social media presence, you know, and it's funny because after she won her match, Moz came out, and I was kind of shocked because Maz got a lot of love from the fans, and again you know we haven't seen maz since january when she lost in that bloodbath with viva van and then uh july 1st uh was the first time we did see her which was at future shock which again was a lot of family and friends it was packed but it wasn't the the regulars you know very many of the regulars in the fsw community you know right. on hand right. for that and maz cut out came out cut a promo and you know, obviously, she's taking notice, uh, and basically called Brittany Brooks the flavor of the month. But you know, she's 18 years old, and and she, her star hasn't even like begun, begin, or begun to brighten. So you know, she has, you know, I, I envision you know the Billy Starks type, to where you know. In four, you know, three or four years, there's no doubt she could be with a major company. You know, she's already got sponsored by Future Legends and Squared Circle. And the Future Legends thing happened through us at the show. And obviously, when she talked to the guy who runs it, you know, hey, I'd like to be involved, blah, 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 blah. You know, he saw her, you know, was impressed with what he saw. And, you know, at a young age, she she has a good head on her shoulders. You know, you can actually have a conversation with her and she's understanding of the business and what she needs to do to market herself and and, and all this other stuff. And she might have her mom helping her out with it and, and things like that. But the bottom line is, you know, I see her as one of, you know, the top women talents in FSW but right now we got a lot of them, you know, I I like J-Rod. I think J-Rod's got a lot of potential. She doesn't have, you know, a ton of experience, you know, I know uh, a few of our people are are very fond of her work. You know, she's, she's a different type. She's a little bigger than the other girls. And, and she uses a little more uh, power moves that you normally don't see in, in those situations. And Rochelle has, you know, gotten opportunities. She lost, uh, to Viva recently, but it seems like her and Moz have this really good connection and Moz has been around forever, you know, well, not forever. It ain't like she's 50, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying that she's been what does for a good 10, 11 years, maybe yeah. more. And having her in, in Rochelle's corner makes her way more dangerous and she had a back and forth match with Biva that could have went either way. So, right. you know, Rochelle is, is somebody that we have to look at. Maz, looking to bounce back. You know, all it takes is a big win from somebody to get that opportunity. So, you know, we got the younger ones, the Alice Flares and the Tanayas, and Gypsy Mac, who's out here, who's improving daily. And right. Jin Savani. And we got somebody who couldn't make it the last time we we're trying to use Brooke Havoc. So, you know, the sky's the limit, Zamaya from Arizona. So we've never, ever probably had five or six women that we can utilize at any given time. We have it upwards of 10 right now. So yeah. that division is in, in full effect uh, to where, you know, we got some, you know, others in the training facility. Uh, one had to leave because she does film work and she left for a couple of months and hopefully she's going to be back. She said August 1st, but she was she actually was in a, a battle royal that we utilize LaHua. And if she could come back, she's somebody who really picked it up quick. You know, Black Swan's getting a lot of love and we haven't used her on a show yet, but she comes by. You know, once or twice a month, you know, to get in some work with us separate from wherever else she's been training. But we're trying to get her, you know, into the mix and saying, Hey, you know, there's a lot of great talent here and you have the opportunity to not only train with them daily, but you're also gonna get good opportunities in matches. And right. you know, she's got very little experience, but she's she's kind of rising the ranks very quickly. So, you know, sky's the limit for the women's division. Sky's the limit for the tag division you know we got the heavyweight division you know we've never been that stacked that you know ice williams looks around and it's like well you got hero you got Shogun, uh big Fonz is definitely a guy that you have to you know look in your rear view mirror you know he might be six months away a year away but you know you keep piling on in the victories then, you know, you, you can't do anything but watch out for him. You know, well, Hammerstone yeah. just lost the MLW championship. So, you know, maybe his schedule opens up a, a little bit. You know, we saw him back at the anniversary beating class. Class is a guy who's always a threat. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people were like, oh, I'd love to see the faction versus uh, the billionaire boys club. You know and see how that works out you know and i think they need to gel a little bit before they go after that top spot you know that top group in fsw but danny limelight's a guy that i don't care who the champion is you you got to watch out for him yeah you know he could bring a tag partner he can go after the nevada state he could go after the heavyweight championship i i can't see him not being a top contender for the heavyweight time you know right. we you know we were talking and you know we we're talking about a survival of the fittest match and we we're looking at and all in all honesty unless either guy's involved in some survivor match i'm looking at at least down the line maybe not a survival of the fittest but a hammerstone danny limelight one-on-one match i think it would be uh, great mike work from both guys Uh, And then Matt Vandergriff, he's fucking cashing the case holder. And he's been No Limits champion. And he's been a tag team champion. And he had Ice Williams beat before. Yeah. But it wasn't for the faction. So there's five or six guys that you could plug in there and it's like, oh, shit. Hey, Gregory Sharp is a Nevada State champion against the fucking heavyweight champion. A guy who who's lost like one match in in who knows how long. Where he's been pinned. Right. So you know, and now the trickle effect is, you know, contenders for the Nevada States and the Remys and the and the and the the Jacob Austin Youngs and the Danny Limelights and the Matt Vandegriffs and the Damian Drake's. He he had his shot. So, you know, he goes to the back of the line nick xander and jay vidal like they might be feuding with each other right now but nick xander proved himself with his matches with with ice williams for the heavyweight championship you know who's to say nick xander and gregory sharp isn't a feud? you know who is jacob austin young you know gonna work if he beats gregory sharp you know that there's so much talent that it's almost like Raw and SmackDown where we have to split the roster. That a lot of the guys who not are on the 14th, like Bodie, didn't get to work. Hey, you're going to be on the 30th, you know. And I get it, Jay Baillieu couldn't work because the thing. But you take the three Impact guys, they're all working on the show the 30th. Well, that eliminates Matt Vandergrift didn't work on the 14th. Damian Drake didn't work on the 14th. Jordan Oasis didn't work on the 14th. Danny Limelight didn't work on the 14th. But if you look at our roster and you saw who worked, you're like, holy shit, that fucking show was stacked. And now people are looking at the 30th and it's like, holy shit, that shows even more stacked. So again, it's, it's another day of reckoning. It's a, it's a super show inside the arena.
1: And hopefully, uh, it will be reflective of, uh, the attendance that we've, uh, seen recently. Um, seems to be a, a very receptive uh, crowd uh, to the arena shows. Uh, which- yeah,
0: yeah. The, the early ticket sales so far are pretty decent. We just put them up the other day. And we know our regulars are going to are gonna be there. But, you know, the people are going on the Eventbrite and they're purchasing tickets. It was the best move we've, we've done. One of the best moves we've ever done was going to Eventbrite. PayPal was the shits. You know, and it was like every single time you had to change it because the fees and then sometimes it would take it to where is the default mode where they charge the percentage and then getting the money from them. Like Eventbrite is simple. You you buy the ticket every week. They send the money directly into my account and there's no issues. And uh, it's really made it a lot easier.
1: And, uh, you know, is it, do you think that by having a, uh, that kind of atmosphere, especially in that setting, because it's a setting where the, the audience is essentially, the fans are on top of the ring, essentially, you know, it's it's a very intimate, almost like a black box theater style. Does that energy that the fans bring Really kind of step it up for the guys because you're kind of seeing a little a little more uh, competitiveness, I think, in terms of guys really trying to, um, I don't want to say one-up each other, but everyone seems to be kind of stepping it up to kind of want their match to shine out and be the match of the night.
0: Well, what you got to understand is there's a big difference between the school shows and the casino shows. The casino shows have a lot of casual fans. They got friends of the wrestlers because they'll come out a little bit more to those shows. So the difference is you got five to 600 people at the Silverton, but you got 150 to 200 at the arena. Well, the 150 to 200 at the arena are more of the hardcore fans. So even if there's only 70 hardcore fans, who know all the storylines, they're gonna be a lot more vocal. If you're 70 of 500, then it's not as loud when you're hearing the noise. You know, one thing I've always learned by watching is we do a pre-show match, okay? And uh, honestly, I can't even remember what the pre-show match was. Okay, I believe, no, it wasn't Brandon G. Cause it was Brandon G was on the show before that. Uh, you know what, I am going to look cause I should have it there. Okay, so the pre-show match. Oh, nope, that was future shot. What am I thinking? Okay, high octane. So there you go. Uh, we had Davion has is about 19 or 20 now and right. he started with us in kids class and we had uh, someone from Rome, Italy uh, by way of Knox Pro Rikishi School. His right. name is uh, Leon Kiro and his girlfriend Elizabeth Rage. Uh, they were in town uh, checking out Vegas looking for places because the rumor is they're going to be moving him, And you know, this guy is a, they have both cosplay superstars from what I understand. You know, I was told he's got like 3 million followers on something. I don't even know wow. what it is, wow. but he, he, he's kind of a big deal in that world. So, right. but he looks the part, you talk to him, he gets the business. He understands again, Between him and Anthony Katina talking about moving here, it's it's just more talent wanting to be part of what we're doing, which only benefits us. But the craziness is even when it was Brandon G and Jeffrey Excellence in the pre-show with Future Shock, when they see that first match, regardless of what it is or who it is, they're so enthusiastic. It is (laughs) mind-boggling that... You know, usually it's like, okay, we're going to warm up to it. It's the pre-show. It's probably some of the younger, newer guys who haven't really wrestled much. Yeah, whatever. Maybe we'll pay attention. But it's like they are so enthralled that it's like, oh, my God, what a hot crowd. And then sometimes people are like, oh, man, that crowd died after that. It was okay. And it's like, yeah, but you got to understand it. It doesn't matter that it was, you know, Ice Williams and Hero Lou. Sometimes when 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 people do come at the arena, when we talk about that 70 out of 150, well, a guy like Fox sold 20 tickets. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, by the time the third match was over, they were match one, those people left the show. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're. it may not be less enthusiastic because they went nuts for Fox because there's 20 of them screaming at their top of the lungs. And if you're a casual fan, you're like, Oh, this guy must be good. I got to, I got to root for him. So it becomes infectious to where people do that, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, RBJ, he wrestled first, he sold some tickets. And now all of a sudden there's only 70% by the time the matches are coming toward the semi main in the main. And then people are feeling like, Oh, I can't believe it, man. You know the fans left before the main event it's like they're not really the wrestling fans right. we appreciate the guys selling the tickets and i always put on the thing like hey it would really be great if if your family and friends would stay for the show right you know that, that's yeah. how you they're supporting you right because right. you know i'm not i i could have easily put that match last just to keep the crowd but how would the regular fans be like, oh, shit, that's the main event? And we just saw, you know, a four-way tag and Remy versus Jake, and the main event is two guys I've never seen before, because if you didn't come to Future Shock, who the fuck knows who RBJ and Fox is? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, an interesting situation. But you,
1: got the, but you got the Jimmy Jack. So but you got
0: the Jimmy Jack fans, but again, he's on first. So I don't know who's on second, but he's on first. <laughs>
1: um, you know, we talk a little bit uh, next week. We'll, we'll talk uh, in depth about what's going on on the 30th, uh, but you do have that interesting matchup of Ice Williams and Hero Lou. Um, again, is this a proven ground for Hero to show that you know, he can hang as a singles competitor, uh, worthy enough to potentially be world
0: champion. World champion. FSW. You know, you know that there's no doubt Hero Lou has all the tools, and I think on any given day, ninety-five percent of the people you talk to would say, Yeah, I believe Hero Lou can beat Ice Williams. Just like I believe on any given day, we got 15 guys on that roster that can beat Ice Williams. Yeah. The question is, is it up there? You know, the thing that held back Hero in the past was something we tried to fix by putting him in with a guy who's more of a veteran at that point in Shogun. They're right. friends. They work out together, you know sometimes hero was known for overthinking things and trying to get his natural ability is, is there, you know? So the question is, is it his coming out party? And nobody's going to say at the anniversary show with ice Williams, Shogun and hero, like, Oh, I think, I can't believe he was in that match. No, you know, he was, he was, just as deserving as the others yep. you know his sure. his record speaks for itself he you know he's got a a big following they were one of the most favorite tag teams that we had in fsw you know they beat juicy and toa it wasn't like you know they they, they walked into it you know right. the, they, they've beaten cody and jake they've beaten the top tag teams And, you know, then sometimes people have different thoughts and ideas of what they're looking to do. And obviously uh, they had their fun, they had their fix, but the heavyweight championship is on both of their guys' mind at this point. Right. So, you know, it seems like we've had another tag team. They were probably pretty much closer to an implosion than, say, death proof you know, Whirlwind Gentlemen, RMB, you know, Sugar Brown, stop wrestling. Jack Manley, stop wrestling. Right. So it looked like we saw an implosion on hand, but they kind of worked together when they could in the triple threat. But again, nobody's going to let somebody else win. You know, Hero might be happy for Shogun, and Shogun might be happy for Hero if he beats Ice Williams. But he ain't going to be happy if he's in the match with Ice Williams because a guy like Shogun would be like, cool, I hope Hero beats Ice Williams. Then I'll beat my boy Hero and I'll be the champ. So, you know, competition breeds that, you know. That's why Sepha Solo Sokoa wrestled Chris Bay. They were boys, but. They both thought, you know, they were the top dog. Yeah. So they had a match. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be one. You know, not everybody has to have a match where somebody is going to break the rules and all they want to do is cheat to win and they only want to wrestle guys they don't like. You know, people want to wrestle sometimes the best that they can wrestle. Yeah and they want the best competition. They don't wanna, you know, they don't care who's in front of them. They wanna prove, if somebody says, hey, you know what, Hammerstone's the man. Well, Danny Limelight says, I'm the man. Put fucking Hammerstone in front of me. He's confident enough to think that he's gonna beat him. And if you don't feel that way, you're never gonna be that guy. And, And that's why it's okay to have that Little bit of an ego, that little bit of cockiness, self-confidence, because if in this business, it's an individual business. Even if you're in a tag team, it's individual. Your goal is to get to the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain pays better than the middle of the mountain and the bottom of the mountain. Right. And when you want to say you're the best, it means something. When you're an FSW champion, it means something. Go ask Cross, go ask Brian Cage, go ask L.A. Knight, go ask Chris Bay, go ask Hammerstone, go ask Cepha, go ask Zoe Lacey. You know, these guys know being a champion is a stepping stone because there's high regard in being a champion. And it isn't just FSW. Of course, there's other companies like, oh, shit, he's the champion of that company. You know that company is very. When you're a, a champion of a well-respected company, it means something. It helps your brand. FSW is its own brand, yeah. but Chris Bay is his own brand, and right. Car- and, and Carian Cross was his own brand uh, that he took the FSW belt with him everywhere. Right. And he tried to build our brand. Matt Hardy, even though he was extremely well-known and already a WWE Hall of Famer in 2015 without being a Hall of Famer, would come out and cut a promo as if he just won WrestleMania in a ladder match with the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. And that's the way he treated it. And he got us so many followers who didn't have any clue who the fuck FSW was. Right. And Brian Cage beat him. Well, at the time, Brian Cage was kind of known on the in the indie circles, but he beat Matt Hardy in a TLC match, a match that Matt Hardy helped create. So he helped create the buzz for Brian Cage, right? And 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 that's what it's all about. It's that next generation. It's getting people who are not aware of why we work with GCW why we help with impact, why we help with Ring of Honor, why when WWE needs to place, absolutely, AEW. It doesn't matter. If somebody is willing to associate themselves with us, we are willing to reciprocate. Right. You know, there's a lot of times we get approached by a lot of companies. We get approached by a lot of podcasts but. You know, oh, we want to promote you. Or, hey, we got some advertising ideas for you. Hey, if you give us this, we'll promote your show on our podcast. It's like, you got 417 fucking followers on on uh, Twitter. We got 11,000. How are you going to help my show in Vegas when you only have 418 followers throughout the entire United States? I got one email a week or two ago, and the guy wanted, like, $1,100 for like a 15 to 30 second mention. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that one. And then it was weird. He broke it down like, oh, a thousand listeners, 10,000 listeners. It's like, well, on your podcast, you either have a thousand listeners or 10,000 listeners. So if you ran the ad, it would be for every listener you had. Right. It made it so weird. It was just like, you know what? Even I hope I didn't erase it just to show people. (laughs) <laughs> but I think I did a race, and it was like, yeah, that, that makes no sense.
1: Yeah, well, uh, that's a good place to end it this week uh, because uh, Joe's got to cut us the eleven
0: thousand dollar check. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> it's in the mail. Yeah, but uh, everyone- oh wait, I thought you had to pay me because I was the I was the uh, I was the guest, the talent. You know, I was talking to SAG, and I'm going to go on strike next week, so.
1: Oh, that's all right. I'll, I'll get Danny Limelight and Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Rosario Dawson and all the people he's hanging out with on the front lines of the strike. So that's uh, that's what we'll do. We'll bring in Danny to host the show.
0: There you go. He'll do it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, next week, again, we'll uh, talk a little bit about uh, High Octane. Uh, or, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Just moment about- of truth. Moment of truth. Uh, coming up on the thirtieth at the FSW Arena. Until that's that- right. It's so it's
0: so big. It has its own name.
1: Yes. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's its own moment. So that's that's pretty impressive. There you go. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll see you guys.